0: Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hi, I'm Linda Regano, co-host of the WAM Podcast. It's really an honor to be your host, where I get to introduce listeners to amazing women who are making a real difference in the world. So with our podcast, you'll hear inspirational stories, both personal and professional challenges that they've overcome, how their backgrounds helped to shape who they are today, and most importantly, how they're giving back to their communities and oftentimes the world. So joining me today, I'm delighted to have Lucy Blackley, who is CEO of Fombex a product lifecycle management software company. Lucy's in the UK, and as you're about to hear, she is brilliant, high energy, and a very determined professional with an amazing background, working for some of the biggest retail brands in the world. Enough of me, let's get right to Lucy. Lucy, thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Linda. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. It's a a real pleasure to be on here. I think it's a fantastic podcast and you've had some amazing guests. I'm quite honored to be considered as one of those kind of future guests that you're now having a podcast with.
0: Oh, thank you. So why don't we kick it off? We'd love to hear more about you, how you started this amazing journey. Maybe just talk a little bit more about what it was like growing up for you.
1: Okay, yeah. So I am from a city in the United Kingdom in England called uh, Kingston-upon-Hull. So it's quite a small city. And then from, you know, I grew up there with my mum and my dad and my sister. The family kind of separated when I was young, about about the age of nine. From there, me, my mum and my sister moved out, kind of started our lives on our own. And we just kind of went from there, really. And, you know, I've always been kind of surrounded by by women ever since. I've had a good, really good upbringing with some uh, fantastic women. My grandma, who we call my nana here, also included in that. So yeah, I grew up in Hull and from the age of 18, I moved across the other side of the country to a city called Manchester and from there studied fashion design and then kind of went from there with my career development and, you know, internships and kind of working my way towards what I'm doing today.
0: That's great. That's great. And and I love that you grew up with strong women and that you have them as role models. It sounds like you got a lot of your uh, work ethic there too.
1: My family always have uh, discussed this about my work ethic saying that it's it's above and beyond what there's is even though they've got really strong work ethics but they they kind of think it's hereditary, and you know both sides of the family have kind of kind of come together to make a, a super work ethic so to speak, so yes yeah, it's, it's yeah i I don't know it's just natural to me to be this way, but yeah, it's something that I love, so
0: that's wonderful and you didn't mention the fact as you told me earlier that you were in a band. you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, <laughs> so when I was growing up, I was about gosh, I'd just finished. High school, went into college, messed around for about a year. Just followed my friends into a college that was really good. Had a really great time. You know, was out on the weekends, and I was a bit of a goth growing up in my teenage years. And yeah, I was in a band, and you know, I was uh, in a punk rock band. We kind of it was a it wasn't very serious. You know, we recorded a CD and stuff. It was good fun. It was very horror themed. We dressed up a lot. You know, a lot of costumes, silliness. <laughs> it just got to a stage where I had to choose. where where I was going to make my money. And I didn't really have any talent in music. It was purely a visual thing. So I thought, well, you know, I really enjoy fashion. So I think that's where I'm going to go and try and make my money, I guess.
0: That sounds like a good plan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's worked out so far, so.
0: Yeah. And you have a unique background, you know, working for many of the biggest brands. And I have to say, before I met you, I never knew what a garment technologist was. Can you tell us a little bit more about this?
1: Yeah, interesting. So basically, I, so I, what happened was I went into, I was at Manchester Metropolitan University, there's two in Manchester, and I st- I went and studied fashion design. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was it got to my third year and we'd just finished our collections and they were ready for review for Graduate Fashion Week in London. And basically they go in and they say, okay, change this, change this, change this, and you can go to Graduate Fashion Week or you can be considered for Graduate Fashion Week. I'd studied this kind of aesthetic and this concept. I became obsessed with it. It was very Grecian, lots of detail, lots of drapery, lots of consideration on measurements and colour and all of that. And they said, okay, yeah, change this, raise this hem, you know, change this colour to pink, blah 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 I was like, but it's, it's my collection. Mm. And so what, what had happened was they said, well, yeah, it is your collection, but it needs to kind of go down the catwalk as one in a way. And so I was like, okay, um, then I don't really want to do it. And they was like, well, you won't go to graduate fashion week if you don't do that. So I was like, well, it's mine. I've paid my whatever it was a year, £9,000 a year, or I can't remember how much it was, student fees and stuff. For so those, I said, well, I'm not doing it then. And they're, what are you going to do? I said, Well, I'm going to leave. And they went, Well, what are you going to do when you leave? I said, I'm going to become a garment technologist. And I had no idea what one was at the time. I was just being really cocky and uh, just, <laughs> you know, pretending that I had a plan of some form, but I just wasn't happy. And I was like, You know what? The more I read, they, they actually said, Oh, you know what? It suits you really well. It's, you know, clothing engineering. You're a very detailed person. So I looked it up and I applied for another university. And I continued my degree, choosing that as an expert area of garment technology. And, uh, well, it worked out really well because I I really loved it. I was really strong at it and I, I became really good at it. And I yeah, I really enjoyed it and I loved it. And, I you know, I did that from before even finishing uni, I was headhunted. And then I kind of went on there and kind of went to London. And because this was in Birmingham when I moved to garment technology. Mm-hmm. And then from L- from Birmingham, I went to London to to work with uh, lots of high street retail brands and stuff like that.
0: At some point you were exposed to the engineering side of it. And, you know, I, I know your business is at the intersection of it, but you want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, sure. How I got into it was I was always obsessed with my measurements and stuff measurements I was very conceptual like I I love these big arty concepts All, all the clothes that I made they weren't really wearable they were more like pieces of art so I had that I had a very creative outlook on things but I also had the other side which was very meticulous about details but to the point where it was details that nobody would notice but me so I just became obsessed with measurements and grading and the testing side of it and All these things, colour measurement and, you know, dye lots and how it's constructed. That's how I kind of, I'd I'd always been interested in it, but I never knew that there was really a job for it until I kind of said I was going to be a garment technologist that, you know, I'd read on the way into that, that kind of meeting and stuff. So... Yeah, I mean, I got into that. And then just basically, you know, it's a really useful job to have. But, you know, it's very, it's there's, there's not enough garment technologists versus how many brands there are out there. I guess it's not a very advertised job because even yourself didn't know what it was. A lot of people don't. Like, you know, I'm working on a project now with a big... Uh, healthcare brand in the UK and probably in America, actually, they're, you know, part of a big group and they didn't know what a clothing engineer was, a garment technologist was, and they've got some struggles with apparel at the minute. So, Mm you know, I was recommended to them and stuff. So a lot of people don't know what it is, but it is out there and it's a good job if people are you know interested in clothes and want to do something. I, I definitely recommend it as a job.
0: And that was certainly a stepping stone for you to form your own company. What motivated you to form, am I saying it correctly, Bombix?
1: Yeah, yeah, Bombix PLM. So Bombix PLM stands for Product Lifecycle Management. So that's the PLM part. And Bombix is a silkworm. And so the silkworm, basically, it goes from its egg to the silkworm to a cocoon and then to a moth. And similar to the life cycle of a moth, the life cycle of a product is very similar. Like it'll get to the point where it needs to be sold and it's got a profit point. And I guess in a way, the silk is the most profitable aspect of that. So that's where it kind of makes its money. Then it regenerates and it rehatches eggs. And similar to a business, you know, that's how it works. So that's where the name came from. I love it. it It basically started with, yeah, well, I'd been in the industry 10 years by at this point and I was just leading a team of about 10 people. I was working from sometimes seven in the morning till 12 at night because I was new, I'd moved countries from London to Berlin and in Germany. I'd gone into this company and there was so much work, there was such a backlog of work. This was before I became the leader of the technical team. I just got really exhausted by the hours that I was doing. It was seven till 12 most days, sometimes going in on a weekend, and it was absolutely crazy. And I just thought there must be a better way of doing this. And we already had a PLM system in our department, but it wasn't very good. It didn't really look like it was made by people from the apparel industry, from people that created products. It didn't seem like it was made by someone that had that background because it was so complicated. It was clunky. It looked like something, you know, like MS-DOS. It looked from the 1980s. It looks really old. (laughs) Yeah, but it never worked. Like, you know, it worked, but then it would break and you'd have to go to Excel or some other means of kind of communicating in your information, and then once it was ready, put that information back on. And I was like, there really must be a better way of doing this. So I looked into software systems for the apparel industry and for product development in general. So for anything that's a physical product, basically, yeah, I just looked, and there was a lot. You know, I say a lot out there. There wasn't a lot out there, but there was some out there. And what would happen is they'd only be made for big corporations. And I was like. Well, that's not very fair, because then what I want to do is maybe level the playing field and create mm-hmm. something where more unique brands will come into the arena and say, hey, I'm a player here. And having access to software that can help them streamline their processes can only be a good thing. So I thought I'll make it more simple, affordable and scalable so that it's modular, so that companies that are growing. They can add on things as and when they need them as, as their company grows. That's what I started to do. I started to look into it in a more in a way of, okay, well, if there's nothing available for smaller brands, how are they supposed to grow? And at that point on the high street, all brands were copying each other. They'd go into each other's stores, take a bomber jacket off the rails, send it to their supplier, have the exact same one made, and then sell it in their shop. And I was like, Well, where's the individuality in that? Like there's just there was nothing interesting about retail at that point. And I was like, Well, maybe it's time for these more creatives, these smaller brands that have got some more interesting designs to kind of have their say, I guess.
0: Right. Helping them to get out there. Yeah. Talk a little bit if you could about you mentioned that you had gone to an incubator program and that's where you met your mentor. You've had several mentors, but maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: So yeah, it's it's kind of an incubator. It is really. It's it's confusing, but what happened is, is I finished my job in Berlin and I'd become a lead in my role. And, you know, I had a team and stuff, but I got really kind of, I guess dis- I just became fed up with, with the job I could do with my eyes closed. There was no challenge there. Mm. And anyway, I parted ways with this company. I went off and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do now? So I decided to go back to my home city for some bizarre reason, because When I left, I didn't really like it. But actually, when I came back, I still didn't like it. But (laughs) I grew to love it, which is a really interesting part. And so what had happened is I came back. and I I was working from wherever I could for the first six months once I kind of integrated back into my home city. Basically what I'd done after that six months, I reached out. You know, I couldn't take it anymore. I was in my kitchen every day, not seeing anyone but the dog. I just decided, you know, I need to go and see people. So I just picked up the telephone. You know, someone picked up the other side and there was like, you know, how can I help you? And I was like, I'm having a mental breakdown. I need to see you. And I think they must have thought that I was looking for therapy or something. Because, <laughs> conf- you know, they sounded confused, like this is a, a technology hub. But, you know, they were, we got speaking, they understood it. And then there was like, how about next week? And I was like, well, how about now? And I went there, had a great chat with them. Loved it. Loved the community there. And I just kind of, you know, it took me another month to get there, not because it was a slow process, but it was just, it was close to Christmas and all of that. So I had to get all that out of the way. Yeah, it just kind of went from there. But when I came to Hull, Kingston upon Hull, I felt like I had no one to talk to. I'd come back, I'd spoken about manufacturing, the supply chain, technical apparel manufacturing for so long. And I came back and nobody knew about that because there wasn't that industry in my city. So I just felt a little bit lost and like, who can I speak to? Nobody understands what I'm doing. Am I in the right place? Place. I have no idea what I'm doing here. But then I found this place. And so it's the technology it is an incubator because it's where startups go to scale and traditional businesses can innovate. So I went there and it was the perfect place. It was one of these places where I knew where my people were, where I could go. And they probably felt the same, like they had nowhere to go to. And it really is where people innovate. There's so much collaboration there. So that's where I went. And I was put in front of this brilliant man who became my mentor, who had done a similar thing, but for the packaging industry years ago. Then he left and he was doing all sorts and he was the chairman of this uh, incubator. Anyway, so we grew really close and very detailed and very structured meetings on getting the business off the ground in a big way. Like it was already there and it was already available, but actually getting it moving now because it was at the stage where it was kind of ready basically he's now a a director in the company along with a few others this is in the UK this is where the directors sit in Hull we can work remotely because we're technology and stuff but we have our main hub of people that kind of direct the business in Kingston-upon-Hull. So that's kind of where we're at now. And I've been there a year and a half now. We've gone from strength to strength and we've had some incredible opportunities being able to really help some people get off the ground. you know. So we're working with small brands that are micro businesses, that are one-man bands, but we're also working with some that are really growing and they've got 20, 30 people. And we're also now integrating with big companies. And it's funny because big companies seem to want a piece of this PLM, which was originally for startups, when They've got enough of them, but they obviously see something different in Bombics than, than the others, I'm not sure.
0: And sometimes I find that working with these larger companies, it's kind of shocking how behind the scenes they are and how much they can benefit from someone like you.
1: Well, yeah, you know what? Before I left Berlin, I was in Bangladesh. It's a country where some of it's really innovative and they're using great technology. And on other sides, they're drawing the sewing patterns out by hand on pieces of paper with chalk and stuff. And I was like... where is the you know where is the technology this is so archaic but the fashion industry looks from the outside like it's really innovative and modern but at the far far back end where I used to work there was not much digital innovation and if there was digital innovation it was just unattainable for anybody any smaller company It, it was only for the big companies but even the big companies They kind of, sometimes they're scared of moving towards digitization because they've never used it maybe, and they're not sure of the benefits and stuff, but there's only so long you can use your email as a reporting tool because it just doesn't work, you know?
0: So let's talk about, if you were explaining to just anybody on the street that you meet and they say, so tell me more about your business, can you just share about the software and who benefits from it?
1: So yeah, so product lifecycle management is, so you take your product, your design, you pop that in you work on your bill of materials, your testing requirements, your care labels and your manuals, all your communication, your price negotiations, your purchase orders, your quality control, All the aspects of a product that you need to create it and get it out of production like it was designed and like it was agreed. He uses software to streamline that process and bring all the pieces together.
0: Perfect. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I know you've been very much entrenched in retail and apparel. I understand also that you're moving into other areas like construction and food and beverage.
1: Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, We always get inquiries because what I like about some companies is that they're so innovative that they're like, I wonder if your software for fashion can do something really good for our industry. So I've had conversations with construction brands. Now PPE has come forth and I'm doing a project with a major PPE company. Also healthcare, you know, pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. So it really is any physical product that PLM is available for any physical product. It's just about getting your terminologies right and, you know, your components in there, which any modern system can do. If it's modular and you can basically add bits and bobs you know your terminologies your your component names and stuff so so that the system speaks your language I say that it should be available in any modern system but it's not unfortunately mm. which is why we created it in a way that you can almost build it yourself if that makes sense yes
0: yeah, no that's perfect and I love that you're the three words simple affordable and scalable
1: yeah yeah absolutely it's, well that's kind of it's on the website it's what it is It's perfect for startups, it's perfect for SMEs, and it's perfect for corporations because it's got bits that maybe the corporation, it's got the full package for someone like a corporation that would need, but maybe a startup. Do you need a few things for now? And then they can add on later because what I don't like about a lot of softwares is they'll give you all the bells and whistles and all the features and you won't use half of them. So I wanted it to be affordable to people and they were getting the most out of their digital transformation so that they could actually you know, create these products and only use what they needed to use as opposed to giving them all the bells and whistles and charging them for that package. I just didn't want to do that. I want people to grow and, you know, profit from that. But you can't profit from that if you invest all your money in technology. And although it's great and you should invest in it, it shouldn't break the bank.
0: Right, right, exactly. Lucy, I'd be remiss if I didn't comment on these crazy times that we're in right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that in terms of what does 2020 look like for Bombix and what are the challenges?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what when this all first happened and lockdown happened, being a small business, I was wondering and, and worrying, like, what's the future hold? What's going to happen? But I've never actually been busier. It's crazy. I say not being busier. I have. But, you know, for, for what I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be quiet and a, a lot of uncertainty. And all oh, there is, un- there absolutely is uncertainty. You know, we've had people come out of the woodwork that need consultancy from uh, technology providers. We're working with a PPE brand. We're working with healthcare and we're working with all these people. The show must go on for a lot of these brands, especially PPE and especially healthcare. They're going to be businesses that always need support, even fashion brands and stuff. That's going to change as well. It's not needed. It's not an essential. So that's why the stores have closed. But I don't know when we come out of this, whether fashion is going to change completely. You know, will we reduce what we buy you know will we look at more sustainability because of the reports that we're getting from what is happening to the planet whilst we're all in lockdown how it's regenerating quickly enough and stuff so there's a lot of questions out there that's coming out of this and although I see this as a really really challenging time for through many reasons I do see some silver linings in there that we're going to come out with some positives out of this and you know as I said it is an absolute tragedy that the death rate of this virus and stuff like that it's it really is. But I think on the other side, there will be some silver linings to come out of this for sure.
0: Yeah, no, 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 I totally agree with you. I think we're going to be just kind of rethinking how we do business. We're all forced to be online so much. Maybe that's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. People are now using Zoom, Microsoft Teams, all of these that they had access to, but they never used before. And they will all hurdle into a room and have their meeting. And I think people are now realizing that a lot of stuff that could have been done over an email or online or something that's what it could have been done in but people were choosing to have a meeting and now they're realizing that that meeting may not have been needed the same with technologies such as bondics plm people are able to work remotely all this stuff about people saying oh we can put stuff on our servers of businesses like they want everything on their servers so they can't deploy it so people can work from home with it And now Mm -hmm. they're having to kind of shift what they're doing and going to make changes so that people can work from home or find solutions for that. So because we created a system that was web based. And although we didn't say in our, you know, when we was building the business, oh, we'll do that because it's pandemic proof then. It's absolutely wasn't that, but it just somehow that people are now starting to realize the power of web-based applications. So there's, there's loads of pluses in all of this. And like you're absolutely right. We'll change business for, forever. We won't be going back to normal. You know, it won't be business as usual. It'll be business unusual.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> all right. And, and you know, we're coming up on the, uh, the close. And I do want to ask you, and something that our listeners always like to hear, growing up, and you touched on some, but growing up and even now, Lucy, who were the biggest influencers in your life
1: oh biggest influences that's so hard uh, so yeah I mean obviously my family you know like I told you I was brought up by a lot of strong women my nana is the absolute love of my life she's just so great and she's just being with me, like, through thick and thin. She wrote a book a few years ago. Like, she got it published and everything. Great achievement. Massive. Oh. And, yeah, it's really cute. She just wrote about her life and stuff, but people were interested. It got published and stuff. It was really, a really good read. So my nana, my mum, my sister, for, in terms of family, but, yeah, just looking... Growing up, I guess I looked a lot to music for, it's weird because obviously I went into fashion and although there's a lot of fashion designers that I looked up to, and also a lot of business women that I looked up to, and Mary Portis, I don't know if you know her from, she's from the UK.
0: No. So no. she
1: is. Uh, she's a, thorough a marketing agency. She's worked a lot in fashion. You know, Harrods, Topshop, all of these great places. Also, a woman called Jane Shepherdson, who is a big, fantastic businesswoman. She was uh, really high up in Topshop, and then she moved over to be the CEO of a company in the UK called Whistles. I met her a few weeks ago. Actually, we had coffee just as the lockdown was happening, which was crazy. Who who'd have thought that this was all going to happen? But I had a coffee with her like a. a just before then and which is it was fantastic so I had all these you know a couple of great business women in there but I never knew that I was going to do a business I just I don't know I don't don't know how this all came along it kind of came along naturally in a way but there were people that I did look up to fashion designers that I looked up to and for music I'm really into like you know rock and heavy metal and stuff like that so I really love like people like Stevie Nicks and Susie and the Banshees Susie Sue and uh, Courtney Love I'm a big fan of Courtney Love so these are the kind of women that I grew (laughs) up listening to and you know these hard rock goddesses should we call them you know badasses
0: Um, (laughs) I call them badasses
1: (laughs) (laughs) And these are people that I, that I really admire. And so, yeah, it's, I don't know if that's a straightforward answer for you, but it's a huge mix of people. But yeah, it's definitely got me to where I, I am today, I guess.
0: That's great. No, that's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, okay. So, my last question for you is what's the best advice you ever got?
1: Oh, gosh. Now you're asking me the best and advice it, I. Yeah.
0: And how did it change you?
1: <laughs> how did it change me? So, best advice I ever got? God, this is such a good question because I'm. Um, I'm not sure sometimes. I think just going, you know, it sounds crazy but just going out and doing it, starting a business. It doesn't even have to be a business. It's just about taking having guts to go out and just do what you want to do. As long as something doesn't impact anyone else negatively, I think you should do what the hell you like and go for it. But yeah, I think this is kind of it's kind of like my own advice which I would have picked up from all these people that inspire me on a on a daily basis, but I don't know. I guess a lot of like sometimes knockbacks really push you forward. And going through fashion, you know, at, at one point in my early stages, I was told I'd never work in fashion. At other points, I've had I've had loads of like sociopath bosses, and they <laughs> the, the, you know, they, they drive you to be who you want to be and do what you want to do. And I guess just kind of having all those knockbacks. When you really want something, those knockbacks—they're a little gem in a way because they—they they make you more hungry for it. You know, I just think don't listen to anyone that knocks you back or thinks that your idea is uh, stupid because there's so many people in the world and there's so much opportunity and there's so many different niche businesses about what people want. It's—it's it's almost anything can work. And it's just about marketing it right and kind of reaching your audience. So I guess that's uh just go for it, you know, and use these what might be negative, you know, seen as negative and turn them into a positive and just use them to kind of fuel your hunger for something.
0: I love it. Having the and having the guts to just do it is perfect. It reminds me, my father used to always tell me whenever I came across something that was tough for me, he'd say, Oh, just suck up your guts. <laughs> which is <Yeah. laughs> which is a horrible yeah. visual. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, it's so true. Do you just need to get up and go and do it? Because what's the worst thing that go wrong? You're gonna get experience out of it. You're gonna get something out of it, and it will kind of. You can use that to kind of develop your future. You know, because it's all experience at the end of the day.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Lucy, you are you are amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being my guest and sharing your journey and just really excellent insights. We wish you all the best with your business and whatever you continue to do.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, Yeah, it's been, as I said, it's been a real pleasure to be, you know, considered to be on this, you know, and you're saying all this stuff. I've literally touched the surface on a lot of stuff, like, as I can imagine all your guests do, like, you know, half an hour is not enough time to to talk in detail about stuff. But no, it's been a, it's been nice catching up. And, you you know, the question's somewhat challenging, because it's stuff that you don't think about when you're just going through the motions of it. and It kind of hits you a little bit as to, how you're going to answer it so yeah you definitely made me think that's for sure
0: Uh, believe me we'll be we're going to bring you back we'll check in and see how you're doing at some point and get you back on the show
1: absolutely whenever you feel is the right time and stuff I'd love to kind of talk about the progress and also post-covid you know 19 it'll be it'll be interesting you know I think bringing on a few of your guests it'll be interesting to see how they going through it to how they've come out of it and what they're doing I think it'll be really interesting so let's see yeah
0: Excellent, excellent. And for our listeners, where should they go to, Lucy, if they want to learn more about Bombix?
1: So yeah, we've got the website bombixplm.com, and we've got we're on all the social media channels because you've got to be these days. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're also on LinkedIn. I have a personal profile on LinkedIn and Instagram, but yeah, LinkedIn is my personal one. If you want to add me on there personally, but yeah, follow Bombix PLM on all the social media handles. And yeah, if you go to the website, there's tons of content there, blogs, articles, all sorts. Yeah. You can find absolutely tons of information.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And that's bombixplm.com and it's B-O-M-B-Y-X-P-L-M. Just to to clarify that. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you. And we look forward to our next show. Those listeners out there, stay tuned for more great stories with amazing women like Lucy.
1: Thank you for joining
0: the WAM Podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit
0: c-suiteradio.com.